M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Oh my God, I can't wait. It's happening. It's happening. This is M. Salation. The internet lost its collective mind. She is choosing to focus on the one time in history when one of her conspiracy theories actually was correct, except yeah. for Trump being elected. What yeah. are you saying is erectile dysfunction? Don't know. I'd get on board with that theory. <laughs> You're in M. Salation. Good morning, my darlings, and welcome to episode seven of M. Salation. I've had a very busy morning. I've done 10 radio interviews promoting our little podcast. Oh, it's getting out, guys. They kept asking me to describe it and I just I didn't really nail it once. I was like, oh, it's just all the things in my mind that I'm doing and saying and thinking and feeling. It's an emotional roller coaster, and you can listen to it on your Rage Walk and all the like peppy breakfast radio people were all looking at each other, I can tell, going, what the hell? But you guys get it. You're here. Um, it's a cold and rainy day in Melbourne. I am sitting in front of the open fire today. Goodness me, it feels so cosy. And um, the sky's grey. The leaves are wet. The dogs are looked outside looking at me like, you bitch, let me in, but I'm not going to. I'm a bit tired because I was up late last night watching Normal People, which is a new series on Netflix, which is based on Sally Rooney's beloved book, which I've also read. And don't worry, I'm going to be talking to Michael Lucas about it in depth. And it doesn't matter if you've never heard of this, by the end of it, you will love it and want to see it. Because watching it brought up a lot of emotions for me. I spent a lot of high school Um, obsessed with a couple of boys who are very dismissive of me and that's one of the themes in the book. So wait until we get to Michael because he had a front row seat to my awkwardness because we went to high school together. But it did kind of make me think last night as I was going to sleep about my teenage daughters and how they're coping with what's going on. I have an 18-year-old, obviously, Marcella, and 13-year-old Odette. And I want you to think back to yourself at those ages. Think back. I was 13 in 1992 I was in year eight. I was getting slammed into the lockers by a girl who felt I was spending too much time with her boyfriend. I was, but only because I played in the boys' basketball team. You guys, I looked so much like a boy and I was very, very good at basketball that they let me play in the boys' team. That never happened nowadays. Can you imagine? But the coach was like, Em, do you want to play for the boys? And I was like, oh, okay. And because I had no boobs and short hair, like no one ever questioned it. Oh my God, no wonder I'm traumatized. Actually, I probably would have welcomed an international pandemic when I was 13 because it was not a fun time. But to be in lockdown at 18, can you imagine? So Marcella also had her first year of uni happening when this all happened. And can I just say to you, I don't know why I'm talking conspiratorially in a low voice because she's not even home. This has worked out really well for me because I can see her at all times. I'm not staying up late worrying about where she is or how she's getting home. But on the flip side of that, you guys, I know what's coming. I know that the second she's allowed to go out, it's going to be heckers. And I don't think we're all prepared for the pent-up teens to be released. Have you even thought about this? It's not going to happen until the end of the year, let's be real. And there's also going to be a new batch of 18-year-olds to contend with, so double trouble. Every nightclub in your area is probably going to have to call in a SWAT team for reinforcements. Is there enough Smirnoff Double Blacks and Bacardi Breezes in the world to prepare for the post-Rona teen release? But look, I do want to say that I am impressed with how my kids are handling it overall. In fact, how all kids are handling it from what I can see. I see the neighbours' kids out and about. They're riding their bikes. They're laughing. They're yahooing around. And you need to remember, they've never been through anything this big. And it would be hard for them to see the other side. You and I know intellectually this is going to end at some point. But imagine being a kid and trusting that and knowing it. 
So I guess if you know a kid, even if it's not yours, if you're teaching a kid or you're Skyping your nephew, your niece, your friend's kid, whatever, maybe tell them bloody well done and tell them you know it sucks but it's not forever. And I also just want to say to all the couples out there, hang in. It's a hard time. I spoke to two of my girlfriends this week whose marriages are normal. They're exemplary. They get along. They have routines. They have, you know, ideas about things that don't clash. Because my husband and I are known for clashing and that's fine. That's our, that's our reputation. But even they're having problems. So if you're having problems, just know that we are not designed to spend this much time with the person we are legally bound to, okay? Hang in. Well, we should move on. I should move on. It's for the best. Uh, Today, because it's Thursday, one of my very funny friends is joining us to tell us how they're getting through isolation and it is none other than the wonderful stand-up comic, Nikki Britton. She is fantastic. I met her doing Husey We Have a Problem, one of my all-time favourite comics now. You're going to love hearing that. And on that note, it's time for me to bring Michael Lucas in because a couple that I'm emotionally invested in have announced they're having a baby and we need to talk about it. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right. Well, he's already received a very early morning text from me, so he knows I'm serious. <laughs> Good morning, Michael Lucas. I know you're serious and I know you've been sleepless. <laughs> well, we were texting very late last night. I'm, I mean, we'll talk about what I texted you. In. Oh, God. Can you hear the rain through the mic? Can you hear that? Yeah, I can. But that's yeah, it's amazing. Just... It's raining, raining. Um, this morning you received a text message about my one of my favourite couples expecting a baby, but we'll get to them. The, what we were texting about late last night is an amazing new series on Stan called Normal People. Um, and it's based on the beloved book of Sally Rooney's. It sold over a million copies. New York Times bestseller. Everyone I know has read it. Everyone you know has read it. Mm. But... After I read the book, I don't know if you had the same reaction. I loved it, but I also hated it. I, I didn't, it made me so uncomfortable, but I loved it. it. It was really, I was really conflicted when I put it down. Oh yeah, because it's like it identifies the, the, the open sore in your soul and then jams <laughs> a thumb in it and you go, God, that is a skilled manoeuvre you're doing there, but Jesus, that hurts. That's I how know. I felt. Yeah, me too. And so I've, I've, the story... It, it's a love story, but it's one of the most honest love stories I've ever seen portrayed. And for me, what really strikes about the two main characters is they, they self-sabotage their relationship every time they're together. It's mm. like they test each other so severely with their deep-seated fear that the other doesn't love the other as much as the other does. And I just, it triggered both of us so many times because high school. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a love story that essentially adopts the worldview that people in the end just suffer from thinking they're worthless and also the person they're together with is also worthless. <laughs> it's so bleak. Perfect ISO viewing. It is. But for me, it reminded me of, oh, God, all the times that, you know, I had actually a few secret boyfriends where well, we You were, should explain the, the premise. The premise is, You explain the premise. You're better than me at that. Well, it's about, it begins in teenage years. This is a story that traverses many, many years of these characters' mm. lives. But we've got Marianne and Connell. Mm. And Marianne is a complete social outcast at school. Like, is, mm. is bullied and, and is kind of a brittle, sharp kind of character who doesn't have any friends. But she comes from quite a wealthy family. Connell mm. is very popular and he's a sports dude and very likeable. But his mum's poor and is actually the cleaner, who the house cleaner at Marianne's 
house. And so they embark on an affair, but he keeps it secret from the school. And therein <laughs> lies. And I just feel like you're either a person that understands the searing pain of that situation, particularly for Marianne, or you're not. And I know which category we're both in. Oh, God. Just the surviving on the morsels of affection thrown your way. Like, I had a couple boys that I was seeing that were embarrassed to be seeing me, that I, we didn't acknowledge each other at school, yet after school they'd come over. Mm. And not, not at the same time, mind you. Um, and it was only like twice because I really struggled in the romance department for a very, very long time. And watching her be dismissed by him was so triggering for me and so upsetting, Michael. Well, I it was for me too. But, I mean, unfortunately, I started thinking about it. And in high school, I mean... In their situation, the downside is that the, the brutal rejection, the social rejection that, they, that he was dishing out to her in particular, that everyone was, and the mm. upside was they were having amazing sex. My high school experience oh. was all of column A, not much of column B. There was more, once I got into my fun. 20s, that's, that's, that's when that, the, the full dynamic played out. But as it reminded oh. me, I remember, for me it was just blank rejection, no sex. And I did, <laughs> I did remember the yeah. first time in high school, I ever, well, I, I told someone that I liked them, but basically someone, a friend had blabbed and mm. this was a girl, so things were very different back then. And I remember <laughs> ringing her that night and said, look, it mm. is true, I do like you. I did my full Connell or Marianne or whoever is oh. the declarer. And I still remember she was like, she took this really understanding voice and she goes, that's okay because everyone has to like someone and I just have to accept that you like me. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's what I got. <laughs> So I apologised, <laughs> thanked her for being so good about it, and oh. hung up. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, that is so brutal. I, <laughs> I once professed my feelings for a baseballer. He was this amazing baseballer, this, this guy that no one knew I was kind of seeing. And I said to him, you know, I really, really like you and maybe we could, you know, hold hands when we're out together and he he said to me would you like a chocolate muesli bar in response <laughs> seems like a fair trade he offered me a muesli bar in response <laughs> you love. offered your heart and soul <laughs> he offered you an uncle toby's but the story thing, of our lives it was really and it was the thing about this show though guys and this is what's going to get you in especially the ladies the sex scenes are it's delicious oh they must have been shot by a woman. I re- I, I can't. They not the first. Not the first couple of episodes. It's a dude. Yeah, they they got it right. They have an intimacy expert on scene, and she also does um, sex education and a couple other shows that we love. You know where where those scenes are so important and the camera angles and how the characters are feeling. But these are the best sex scenes I've ever seen. And you see full frontal penis. You see full frontal. Boob vision, you see all this incidental nudity that's real. You know, like people walking back from the shower with their bits flopping about. It's there's something about the camera. I don't know. I just the sex scenes are the best I think I've ever seen, Michael. It just feels incredibly real. And Gosh. honestly, that intimacy specialist 
if she needs to put up a GoFundMe, I'm donating because it's what gets you through ISO. And and yeah. also the cast. I mean, those actors. Oh, the cast. Oh. oh, my God. You guys, what we're saying is it's your next binge. You must do it. That's your homework. You know, we love to set your homework. And a lot of you, you weren't sure about Unorthodox and then a lot of people have come back to me and said, oh, my God, I loved it. Normal people is going to leave you feeling uncomfortable, a little bit hollowed out, but ultimately full and it's beautifully shot and it's like – this echoey landscape of just feelings and um, and it's shot in the you know in the orange aqua sepia tones and oh god I love it so much Michael. <laughs> you might be surrounded by people in your bubble who are like watching it going nothing's happening what it's just people staring at each other not saying much who don't understand the pain you must banish them and you yeah. must keep watching don't let your husband anywhere near it if they like mine m- my husband has spent isolation watching very kind of violently staged camp indian movies and series, masterpieces. That's what he's been watching. I've just been sitting there in the corner clutching my little anxiety blanket just lost in these sex scenes. So good. (laughs) I do think people that listen to this must be wondering how often we bring it back to sex when it doesn't matter. I mean, at least this time we're discussing a show that is in large part about sex, but it doesn't matter. We can be discussing MasterChef, Wiggles. We'll just always bring it back there. (laughs) Well, of course, and I'm about to take it back there again because... You did wake up to well, – well, you can explain. You picked your phone up and what did you say? Oh, yeah, I picked my phone up and I can describe it as a paparazzi shot of a handsome man who seems to be wearing a suit that has golden arms and his pretty girlfriend. And this is not – I often wake up and get texts from M because because she doesn't sleep or she's looking after Elio and clearly she spends her night – Going over celebrity gossip all through the night. The vision that I have of him in the night is, I don't know if you've seen Homeland, but when Carrie, like, gets out all the little, like, pins and puts, like, the cords and stretches it together, M is basically like that, but instead of terrorism... It's celebrity yeah. couples. So I'm who also are they, like, yeah. I'm also like the jaded ex-pop trying to prove his innocence, you know? Oh. I'm in the office with the pictures of all the murderers up on the wall. Like that's who, that's what I've been compared yeah. to before. But the murderers of pop culture. Um, it's Zayn and Gigi. Now Zayn, Malik and Gigi Hadid. Zayn is a former member of One Direction and some would say, me, he rivals Harry in the looks and talent department. In and the I've talent many- department? Looks, oh, I get it from the picture. Zayn's a said. better singer. <gasps> Zayn's a better singer. But, but can he, be, doesn't Harry write? Does he write? Well, I don't know if Zayn writes because the reason I have – he had an amazing song about Gigi called Pillow Talk. Oh, <laughs> sexy. And I think I've had many heated arguments with my daughter over this because I like Zayn. He's been very open about his anxiety, plus his face is perfect. But he's been <laughs> – he's been – sometimes he's pulled out of gigs because he just – he has such imposter syndrome and he like – and his face is perfect. And so those two things combined, really, I was drawn to Zayn. So Gigi is the daughter of Yolanda, who, for those of you who are Real Housewives of Beverly Hills fans, you'll know. She also has a sister called Bella. Hang on, her mum is a Real Housewife? Yes, her mother is Yolanda from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She, oh, my goodness. It's, she's amazing. One of the original housewives. And basically, Gigi... And Zayn started dating in 2015. Prior to that, she was seeing Cody Simpson, who, of course, is now with Miley Cyrus. Are you, are you, are you following? I, I believe I am, yes. Who's Australian and was on The Masked Singer. Now, Zayn, before he got together with Gigi, was seeing Perry Edwards from the band Little Mix. Mama told me not to waste my life. She said, spread your wings, my little 
feminist then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they'd been engaged, but he dumped her, rumoredly for Gigi, and she then wrote this very famous revenge song about him. I know that one. So that's the Little Mix song that's about Zayn. Yeah, yeah. Did Taylor so Swift it- write a song about him? No, that was about Harry. That was about okay. Harry. You know that okay. song, You Got That James Dean Day. Yep, style. That's a, yep. Mm, that's Got it. Good Harry. wordplay. Thank you. Oh, you're thinking Taylor, but I'll take it on her behalf. So <laughs> in March 2018, Gigi and Zayn, they split. Then they got back together in June and then they split again in November. Now, apparently this was all around his mental health, right? And then they spent a year apart. Gigi dated a bachelorette. Zane worked on himself. And then in January this year they were back. Hang on. Gigi dated a bachelorette? Contestant. A man. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Sorry, I left off the week. so many reality shows are involved in this because technically One Direction comes from X Factor. (laughs) Correct. right? Good linkage. Yes. I'm getting there. Go. Okay, so then in January this year they announced they were back on and now she's pregnant. Yes, that child is going to be genetically perfect. Not that that matters, but what an up in life. And also that child is clearly going to get its own reality show because with that kind of lineage. Oh, my God. Third generation reality star. Well, also Gigi's brother is Anwar and he's dating Dua Lipa. Don't show up, don't show up. I mean, I just want to take, take a sidestep. Future Nostalgia, it's a perfect pop album, top to bottom, you won't skip a track. I want to take a sidestep and say, hang on, so that couple is Jua and Anwar. It's like we're yeah. not even saying words anymore. <laughs> These are just sounds. Jua, Anwar. Jua, Anwar, Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> There's also another Hadid. There's Bella Hadid, who's a model as well. Yep. Okay, so you're all caught up. Yeah. They're having a baby. I'm emotionally invested because I've been on a roller coaster with this couple. Gigi always defends him publicly. If anyone goes him, even if they're apart, she gets on the Twitter and she slaps them down. And I kind of love that. Do you know what I mean? Like I respect her defending him. And she's never bad-mouthed him once. It didn't go on write a song. Shout out to my ex, Blue Mix. She just kept it tidy, kept it tidy. But is she and a now singer? they're having a baby. Is she a singer at all? Nah. Well, that's probably she's why she didn't write a song. I mean, it's probably a related <laughs> Do you think that stopped some people in the past, do you think? think? (laughs) Probably not, no. She could have done something on Instagram. So, yes, I have spent a great portion of the last 12 hours obsessively deep diving on those two and it is an odd thing, I know, because they are so much younger than me, but now you're all caught up, everyone, on the Zane and Gigi Hadid situation. I mean, it is concerning. The male figures you find most compelling are basically intensely good-looking people with anxiety problems, <laughs> which, which it probably <laughs> explains why you've walked into situations that mean normal people <laughs> affects you so much. I can't even begin to tell you how much normal people affected me, not to go back to what we were just talking about, but I kept texting you going, I don't think I can keep watching. I don't think I can keep watching. Like, it was just so – I just felt it like I was back as a 15-year-old with all my – hormones raging and my nerve endings exposed. I just, mm. it's, but I guess that's the sign of good TV, babes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, don't you think? It's made me feel. You put all your pain in a little box and you lock the box and toss away the TV and then you just click on Stan <laughs> and two painfully good actors with amazing intimacy coordinators unlock it all for you. Oh, you know, I've course, deep dive to see if they're really together because their chemistry is off charts. Off like, the hook. Uh, Oh, my God, they're not together. 
Sadly. Yeah, well, I don't want to. I don't want to turn you into a stalker, but he's on Instagram. He's only got about four thousand followers, and his DMs are still open. M. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! What's his name? What's his name as an actor? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Him. If he's only got four thousand followers, that means because I'm verified, he will get my DM. He'll get alerted. <sighs> oh, she's he, off. Wait. Good luck. How old is he in real life? Hang on a minute. He plays 24. a teenager in the show. Oh, yes. Not creepy. <laughs> If I could have birthed him, but just. I'd be a 16-year-old mother. <laughs> That's my creep level. Could I have birthed them? No? You feel free to perv. <laughs> I said, let's come back to that test in four years' time and just see whether it's still <laughs> holding strong. Uh, the other person, I'm, and you gave me a book um, for Christmas, which I've, well, it's the script of Fleabag, another show, obviously, that I'm, I'm assuming everyone listening to this has watched. And if you haven't watched it, my God. I'm, I'm jealous of you, you if you haven't watched it. Me you still too. want to experience it. I mean, how would you explain Fleabag to someone who hasn't listened to it, watched it? Oh, it's about, it's about I mean, who, what a surprise. Ed loves it. It's about kind of <laughs> Shut up. pretty messed up woman. <laughs> And the self-destructive romantic and personal relationship she pushes herself into. I mean, really out of the box. She's also fiercely articulate and bleak. How dare you? How dare you be so accurate about my personality and the things I'm drawn to? But you also have a bit of a parallel with the actress-writer, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, in terms of decorating. It's true, we do. (laughs) Phoebe Waller-Bridge is amazing. She's so uber she doesn't have an Instagram, which I kind of love. And she, for me, is my favourite celeb in ISO because I'm only getting little tidbits of her when she does little interviews. And in Fleabag, she has a very toxic relationship with her stepmother, who's an artist. And in one of the episodes, the the stepmother puts on an art exhibition exhibition in which there's a, a very special wall of plaster of Paris penises. Oh, there's three P's I love to put together. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that the wall is being kept with Phoebe in isolation. Have a listen. You can't even escape Fleabag in the house you're in, can you? Because the, from series one, the, the wall of penises, that's in your house. That is in my house, yes. They're all, they're all here keeping me company. <laughs> Are they close at hand? Can we have a look? They are. They're actually they're actually stored here while they're waiting to go into the office. Where because because I'm meant to be going moving into my office, you know, whenever lockdown is over, and I'm hoping it will eventually become a hat stand or something adorable like that. Um, but this is this is who welcomes people when they come to the door. <laughs> I love her because I have fifteen enormous vagina costumes that welcome people at my front doors. I feel like, again, our lives are parallel. Yeah. I just want to say, though, if we get to the stage of lockdown where you start turning to me and your husband and say that you want a plaster of Paris penises on the wall, that's when we know it's gone too long. doesn't matter what the health risks are, we have to shake this up. And on the plaster of Paris, that you know that's what this episode's going to be called, plaster, plaster of, Paris of Paris penis. Plaster of Paris penises, yeah. <laughs> Do you think they'll let me call his penis? Will that be allowed on Spotify? Hopefully. Surely. I don't know what Spotify's. Surely. Surely. <laughs> the highlight of my week is coming up with the episode titles. You know that I think about them a lot. So Plaster of Paris Penis is definitely today's ep title. I don't care. It's happening. <laughs> oh, I feel honoured to have been here at the birth of the title. <laughs> All right. It's time for us to go because Scott's got to do his bloody bit. Oh, my God. I'm going to kill him. I can't even, Michael. Like, Don't do how's that. your relationship going? Have you have you had any fights at all in the last three days? No, there was a time when I came home and I bought the wrong kitchen wipe, and he gave me a look of, of like there was anger 
<laughs> there was contempt. There was betrayal. Uh, but we got over it pretty quickly. Yeah, no, we're still good. Sorry about that. Scott went out for a four-hour ride. He said he was just, just going to go around the block with the dogs. Four hours. He's been riding every day. He mountain bike rides, he road bike rides, and he's got an indoor trainer that rides on. Three different forms of riding. He's got to get them all in. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, you've got normal people. He's got his bike. And, and his Indian um, monstrosity romance <laughs> telenovas. I don't understand. <laughs> all right. We'll uh, have a great weekend. I'm going to pretend like I'm not going to talk to you in two hours. But, um, <laughs> no, no, exactly. Speak soon. Try and sleep. Oh, no. I'll go back. I'm going to watch normal people again just to really mess with myself. <laughs> okay. uh, all right. Chat soon. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, it's that time. Now, I'm warning you, Elio is on my lap. He's just woken up from his nap, so anything could happen. Any noise? He's trying to eat the microphone now. Uh, but, look, Scotty is here to help you. Today's one came in and I was like, oh, this is very important for what's happening in ISO. Uh, first of all, good morning, Scott. Good morning. <laughs> so how you normally say good morning to me? Say how you normally say good morning to me. Do it. Good morning, Emmy. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Anyway, uh, shall we hear Kayla's issue? Yes, yes, we should. Hey, Em and Scotty. Um, my name is Kayla. I am 30, 31 soon. Worst ISO birthday. Can't wait. My question is how do I get better at being able to set and maintain healthy boundaries within work and home and look everything, just setting boundaries? Oof. In isolation, setting boundaries, it's a big one, especially because a lot of us are working from home. So I feel like the boundaries have now just been blown up. Yeah, and the boundaries that might have been an issue before are now being exacerbated by the situation, almost like amplified. So what's the first step? What's the first step? She's going to be listening now and what's the first thing you want Kayla to hear about getting better at setting boundaries with work and home? Well, it's worth the effort. That's the first thing that's worth the effort. And then the next step is um, you said, how do I set healthy boundaries? Well, what does that look like to you? Create that vision in your mind. And at that stage, we're looking as much detail as helpful, all the different angles and elements of it. What does healthy boundaries look like to you? Okay. And what next? So she's identified that perhaps she'd like time clear to work and then when she's with her kids not being bothered by work or just putting in boundaries in general I find is hard because usually that makes the person or the people you're trying to put boundaries in with uncomfortable and then you're worried about displeasing them. That's how I find it and I think a lot of women find boundaries particularly tough because, I mean, I think deep down I'm a pleaser and we're a pleasers and we want to make our family okay. Yeah, so the first... um step of the way, I guess, is you have to convince yourself. You have to believe that you deserve, almost deserve or, or need those boundaries. You have to convince yourself that you are going to do it and that you want to do it and it is, you're, you know, it's okay for you to do it too. That's the first thing. Yeah. And what's next, Scotty? Because I'm holding the baby and a drink bottle and a mouse. Okay. So very quickly too, you want to be saying, why is this important to me? Why, deep down, why is this important? Because not only you created this vision and why it's important, because you're going to be communicating though that to other people at some stage in the future as well, because that's going to help them 
uh, get on board with that as boundaries as well. You're not only do, um, setting up your boundaries to defend yourself from others, but you're also setting up your boundaries so that others can actually help you. You're, you're telling them how you would like it to be. Can you help me with this? And that can be people at work or in your family or friends or even your kids. Oh, this is fun. Um, okay, and so why, why, do, why do you think she's balking at it? Why do we balk at it? There could be lots of different reasons and if you ask 100 different people, you get 100 different answers. I think ultimately it comes down to, you know, it really can come down to fear or, or even inside that self-worth. So do I deserve to look after myself and take care of my needs and desires and wants by setting up these boundaries? And then maybe a step outside that is um, the fear fear you know what's going to happen in these relationships what's going to happen in these relationships if I do set up a boundary and let people know about that so what is going to happen well we don't know that that's the whole thing you don't know what's going to happen until you do it well we do know that there may be prepare for a little bit of pushback yeah and be okay with that yes you can prepare for pushback and there can sometimes be resistance and sometimes it's not a deliberate malicious resistance it's just that they've they become habitual they've become used to be you being accessible but also you need to prepare for some people going cool okay they mightn't say it like that but they go okay i can understand that i appreciate that i can i can help you with that and that's why you need to tell them why you want this and when you tell them why you want it you've got to use emotive terms because why is it important to you because you've got to hit them in the heart because the best way to get people to join your movement, so to speak, is with emotion. Okay, cool. Not, not out of control crazy emotion, but just the emotional component of the importance. Okay, he's yelling. He's getting very passionate. He can't hear himself, so he's yelling. Uh, okay, so give her the language. Do it. Come on. What declaration can I make? Oh, okay, okay. All right. So, yeah, one of the things you can think about for yourself is um, the declaration that you're making to yourself and then after that to the world, to the people around you. So a declaration is where we state how the world will be for us. So you might be saying, uh, the, the current declaration might be, oh, it's just no point, it doesn't make a difference anyway, or I don't deserve it, whatever. So it might be um, things like, I choose what I do with my time and life, or I am my own keeper, or I will hold strong on this, or even that the world won't cave in. Whatever has meaning for you, but the important thing is that you're making a statement to yourself and to others. Okay, so wrap it up for her. She's come to you and said, Scotty, I need help setting my boundaries. So she needs to decide what they are. She needs to let people know why she's doing it and what are some ways that she can put in place to avoid, you know, the thing that that, that she is, the, the confrontations. Yeah. So some conversations you won't be able to avoid and that'll be the best way to do it. You need to have the conversations with people and in person is best. Over the phone is second best and like emails and texts, they're, they're last and less, all right, because they're not as ideal as communicating. But also then you're looking at, okay, are there any unspoken boundaries I can put in place where conversations don't need to happen and negotiations ongoingly don't need to happen? So it might be your phone's off so no one can access you yes. or it might be it might be you've already gone out the door so you know the kids are with their their other parent yeah. or it might be you've got an auto email autoresponder 
going rather than you having to correspond with someone via email. So it's can you set up these structures that are not verbal, that are not communication, just, but they do send a message? Okay, good. And what what's that last thing you've written there? I reckon uh, the other thing is who, who, role models. Like is there someone in your life or people in your life who do this really well? Uh, what can you learn from them? Can you speak with them? Also, or maybe could you even hang around them more often? Because if you want to develop a quality, a great way to do it is to hang around people who already have that quality. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the important thing is when you are considering, oh, maybe it just doesn't matter, I, I'd be encouraging you to remember what's important here. And really, when it gets down to it, what what could you be risking if you don't address this? If you don't seal the holes in the fence of your boundaries, if you don't develop your skill in this area, what's at risk deep down? What's at risk? And that might be enough to motivate you to stick at it through the challenging times as you develop it, because it is a skill. Thank you for that. That was a challenging time in my life. <laughs> But that is up just so you all know what's going on there. The dog, the elderly dog, will not stop barking and weeing in the house. The baby has just stopped eating his food because he's teething and we can't get more than half a bowl of porridge into him. And he stopped sleeping, he's sleep regressing. Scott and I trapped inside, it's raining. And the whole time Scott was speaking, he was trying to focus. I was trying to focus so... And, I don't, Elio, and I was holding Elio and the mic and I'm wearing the headphones and I'm hopefully you got something from that. But like as I promised you, Emsolation would be the real life in lockdown from me. So there it is. Uh all right, Scotty, your excuse, please take the baby far away from me because I've had him all morning. And while I was doing ten interviews, I had to have him on the driveway with me in my underwear in a dressing gown. Go, Scott. Go. All right, well, uh, don't forget, if you have a problem or a goal or something in your life you'd like Scotty to help you with, you can email hello at mrussiano.com. Just a little 30-second, hey, my name is blah, and uh, Scotty, can you help me with this? And we can help you just like we helped Kayla. Okay, now that that's over with, the wholesome part, get ready and strap in. Every Thursday, a favourite friend of mine, a funny person, will be letting you know how they're coping in isolation, where their brain's going. And this week, you're in for a treat. My pal, oh God, listen, if you've got this on speaker somewhere, perhaps just take it off and pop it in your headphones. I'm warning you. I'm warning you right now. One of my favourite stand-up comics, Nikki Britton, she's single, she's in lockdown, she's been thinking a lot about one topic and we already mentioned it a lot today. Um, There's a lot of dick talk now, guys. I'm just warning you, perhaps not safe for little ears, definitely not safe for little ears, but hilarious. Take it away, wonderful Nikki Britton. I'm spending this isolation alone. Um, I am single and it does make you start thinking about what you really miss. But you know when you, like if you miss someone and you try and visualise their face but their face starts sort of morphing into other things like in a dream, like it starts, that's how I feel about a dick. At this point I don't actually even know if the thing I'm fantasising about is a dick because in my imagination it looks a lot like a loaf of bread in which case I am going down on that every single day. Let's be honest. I don't know if I actually want to visualise a dick. It's not a pretty thing to look at at the best of times, is it? Maybe my brain's like, no, it's just trauma blocked it. I can't remember what it looks like because I don't really want to see it. Look, I'm sorry if there's any men listening. You've got a beautiful dick, okay? Well done on your wonderful, wonderful dick. It's just that, like, all dicks are challenging for us to look at. They're hideous. Looks like something David Attenborough would find on the bottom of the ocean, okay? And then there's the balls. I mean, 
They just shouldn't be there. They just look like extra. There's too much. You know when you walk into someone's house, or you're used to, and you're like, this this is too many cushions, Nadia. Now, come on, mate. We all love Kmart, but this is too many cushions, okay? I've been unfair. I can handle a dick. That is visually manageable. But it's just not that impressive because you can see that it's being propped up on the balls. You know what I mean? Like, it would be much more impressive. It was just on its own and as it became erect, it looked like a perfectly cantilevered beam. And I've seen enough grand designs to appreciate the tits off a good cantilevered beam. You know what I mean? I'd look at that I'd be like, where are the strings? Where, how is it doing? Oh, how is it standing up like that? I would applaud an erection. I would gasp in awe of the architectural beauty of the semi-erect wing at a perfect right angle from a body. But when you see the balls, you're like, ah, oh, cheating. You're che- it's being propped up on that dirty balloon. Because that's what it looks like. It, just, it doesn't even look like two things. It's not balls. It just looks like one deflated, inverted, hot air balloon that's been dragged through the mud. There's too much there. And why are they tucked away? Why are they hiding between there? Why are they snivelling away behind the dick? This is why I don't trust men. What else are you hiding? Anyway, um, I just say all of this to say um, I've had a lot of time to think while I've been on my own and I'm, I'm horny. I'm very horny and I, I hope that all of you are well and safe and being serviced. Wow. Okay, you know how I said I was going to call this episode Plaster of Paris Penis? It's just going to be called That One with a Lot of Penis. There'll be something in the title one people, the incomparable Nikki Britton. You can find her on Instagram and why wouldn't you go and follow that absolute gem of a woman? I mean, you thought I had issues with talking about dicks and virgin. I'm kidding. <laughs> It is at the Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, Britain, B-R-I-T-T-O-N, and we will end the show on that talk. I really hope that you weren't playing that out loud in the car with other people listening. <laughs> I know. You were listening to it as I intended for you to listen to this show on the privacy of your earbuds. Um, we'll see you on Tuesday. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Emsolation Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Tell everyone about us. And also, if you go to mrussiana.com, the Rage and Rainbows hoodies are still there. They are flying out the door, but I'm going to keep them on sale to the end of the week. It's an excellent Mother's Day gift. I can't tell you how many people have bought it for themselves or buy it for your mum. mrussiana.com, Rage and Rainbows hoodie. We'll be back again next Tuesday. You guys look after yourself and um, we'll chat soon. Bye.